Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your sole host today by myself thinking about Christmas. We just went through Christmas. Um, my company, Buy Boxer, did really, really well uh, relative to the size of inventory that we had. Um, and we did so well that our post-Christmas sales are dismal. That's just, we just like ran out of stock of so much stuff. So I hope that you are in a similar boat, that some of your products just did really well, exceeded expectations. Our top product, we were selling more than a thousand units a day and it was nuts. We couldn't keep it in stock. We actually had to fluctuate the price a lot to um, make sure that we stayed in inventory. And we did, we, we stayed uh, just barely. Uh, we, we got our, some replenishments in, but um, it doesn't suck to increase the price on a product. I mean, it does l reduce its sell-through, um, but you get more profit. It, it, uh, you have heard me talk about that before um, on a on a previous episodes, specifically one about pricing, where um, you can engineer some things to make sure you don't run out of the inventory. Um, and make money while doing so. So um, today, I, the, this episode I'm going to get to in just a second, I do have one news item. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to profile large Amazon sellers out there and what I have learned from them and what you can. You probably um, are, have a similar business model to a few of them. And there's some people that are, uh, you know, they're, they've They've grown businesses much bigger than mine and probably more profitable. Um, but I do have an announcement that I have uh, been forced to withhold for about four or five months. I sent some cagey uh, me uh, messages on Instagram in September about what I was doing, but I couldn't actually talk about it because I was selling a business. Uh, so uh, if you've listened to my previous podcasts, I have talked about a business called Valence Services. And in September, we officially closed and it's been sold. And I am now uh, less than a 1% uh, equity owner of the business. So I can at least speak a little bit uh, conflicted, you know, knowing that I still am a teeny bit owner, but um, what I want to wanted to bring up why I think the news is, is how, what the process was like um, and who bought us and why. Um, so Valence does uh, Amazon reimbursements. Uh, they help you, um, they audit Amazon for mistakes that they have made. Some of the audit points are easy. Some of them are very complicated with a lot of reports and is very instrumental to our business, uh, Buy Boxer, for uh, almost staying profitable. It's, it's a significant amount of money. And I would just advise anyone, just like have a strategy um, with how you can get reimbursements. But um, the company that uh, bought us is called Veriship. Now, they actually do a very similar thing but at a much bigger scale, they do auditing for UPS and FedEx. They are leader um, in that space. And so if say uh, UPS or FedEx, you know, the news is that FedEx wasn't meeting delivery windows. Well, if they don't meet delivery windows, um, you, you as the shipper are actually due 
um, a, a refund. I don't know if it's partial or full, but um, Veriship handles this for people that are doing uh, volume with UPS and FedEx. And this is a very similar model. It's a gain share. If, the, if, if Veriship gets you money, um, they will take a percentage of that. So if you um, are not uh, doing anything in the, uh, uh, if you're sorry, if you're doing volume in uh, in a non FBA space, if you're shipping yourself with these uh, people, you know there's money on the table. Likely, all you do is you just sign up with these with the, a company like this. Fairship's not the only one. Um, then you know you can you can get free money. Um, you know leverage. Uh, technology to make this an efficient process for you. Because if you're a business owner, the last thing you want to do is to be caught up in um, tedious parts of logistics. You've got other things to do. Even our shipping manager, like he, he wouldn't have time for uh, this type of process. So, um, but um, I mean, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. Uh, because it's kind of crazy, uh, you know, for your code to, to pass due diligence. Um, we were flown out there to their headquarters and I got grilled on, you know, why did you do this? What does this mean? You know, we had to like, uh, lay out everything and then lots of lawyers get involved to vet, um, all the risk for the different components. And, um, I mean, for those out there that are more interested in building businesses, like getting this, you know, going through a month or two of like this legal stuff, it's, it's really annoying. Um, but this has been probably the top two or three thing that I've ever done in my career. And it's awesome to be able to do that. Uh, so, um, if you ever get a chance to, to sell your business, it's great. Cause you, 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 as a business owner, you're carrying a lot of risk and you finally get to let go of it. So that was nice to let go of that risk. Um, and to be full, even more transparent, you should know this in pretty much any acquisition, especially a, a software uh, service um, like Valence, um, that you have an earn out and um, you are still too... Um, uh, we, uh, Valence still needs to deliver for the next two years for us to get the full payment of the sale amount. So I'm just saying that. So if you hear me talk about Valence, you know that I'm still a slightly conflicted party, but I've sold it. My brother actually left by boxer to go work, um, with, uh, Valence and Bearership full time. So I took on more responsibilities with, with by boxer. So there's just a lot of shifts. It's, um, now we're shifting into the new year and, uh, but I want to, well, I'm more interested in the subject of today's podcast. I want to talk about the profile of large Amazon sellers. So there's a website called sellerratings.com. And if you uh, click on it, as I'm doing right now, you'll see uh, a list of the top, uh, Amazon sellers. And one thing that I've noticed is, uh, my boxer is slipping. I knew we were going to be slipping. We've uh, decreased our sales and focused more on profitability. We used to be in the top 10. I think our, our we used to be like number six or seven. Um, that's when we were pushing out a lot of volume. Um, now we are around uh, rank number 20. 
But I have learned a lot from the other sellers that are on this list, specifically some of the top ones. Um, PharmaPax, perhaps the most, they are the, uh, they are, right now they're the leader. They are selling the most on Amazon. This is based, um, this website seller ratings does it based off of their feedback for the last year. So uh, PharmaPax has more uh, feedback ratings. I doubt that they're actually asking for seller feedback. I think they just do this volume. Um, they are a very unique type of seller in that they are not primarily FBA. They do, um, they, they have their own warehouse. You can actually go to pharmapacks.com. I've seen videos inside their warehouse. It, it is a sophisticated uh, operation. They have grown uh, to maybe 500 employees, I've heard. Um, a lot to be impressed about because they're the most Amazon-like of an Amazon seller business. Their, their warehouse is is impressive. They got some machinery that does not look cheap. And I could tell you where they have two strengths that I'm jealous of, and I would love to be in their type of business. Um, I know they have uh, some really good relationships with distributors. That's why they sell these name brand products. And um, I think that these relationships allow them to get very good prices. They're probably buying from diverters. Diverters being, um, that's where if, uh, say, a name brand product, say a shampoo um, or shoot, why can't I think of a shampoo name right now? Um, say it's going, it's supposed to, it's, it's headed to South America to sell. Well, a diverter will take some of that inventory and bring it back to the U.S. and sell it kind of on a gray market area. I don't know if they're using these, but it's likely that they're using diverters. Um, it's a gray area. You, you are not buying straight from the brand itself, but um, they're getting great pricing. I, I know they are. They probably have some of the best pricing of these products that, of anyone. That's why they do what they do. Um, and where their real profit is, is in the multi-unit sales. I, um, we do, um, about a thousand dollars a day in merchant uh, fulfillment and the multi-unit sales are where you make money because it's so much cheaper to ship an additional unit, um, than it is to, uh, you know, pay for the, an FBA fee, you know, the FBA fee used to have an advantage for multi-unit sales and it no longer does. And I hate that. That really hurt um, some um, our profitability when they took that component out. Um, shoot. So when pharma packs, when they sell, uh, say that there's a marker, a, a Sharpie marker, and they, you sell one, they probably, their break even is like $5. Well, if they sell two, their break even is like $6 or $7, but they're able to sell those two for $10. So they, as you can see, as someone buys more and more units, uh, they just get way, way more profitable in, in, their, in their sales. I think that's where their biggest strengths are. Um, okay, now moving down the list um, is Anchor Direct, a very different type of seller than PharmaPax. Actually, Anchor Direct is probably the opposite if there was one. Anchor Direct or Anker, however you say it, they are electronics. They, um, at first I think they just kind of built a lot of like just generic things that people would use like cable adapters and um, a lot of, uh, you know, things that you would plug into a wall. 
uh, charging machines, um, and they've grown into kind of their own um, their own brand. I think most people know that, like you, people would recognize them. This is an electronics brand that has started on Amazon and has become really, really big. I'm sure they have um, a large sourcing team in China. And they are launching products very regularly. And they and one thing that they have to do, if you're in the space of electronics, is you have to be you have to beat the market. If USB-C is the new standard today that people are worrying about it, you had to be worrying about this about a year or two ago. You gotta you gotta see trends before they're happening. And with if you do that, you can get some crazy high sales. I mean, I I bet you the top thousand uh, products in electronics. Nothing moves quite like them. And um, they can do some crazy volume. So um, I would say they do a lot of investing in their products in both, um, you know, with their sourcing and making, uh, they have the full pipeline uh, nailed down. And then you have to market it. Uh, You know, if you have an iPhone cable, Trust me, there's about 10 other sellers that are also there. And it's not a very easy thing. But if you do it right, these guys are getting all the upside of being electronics. They're selling more than 1,000 units a day on some of this stuff. So if you want to get electronics, anchors, the, uh, they're the ones to watch for. See what they do. Very smart brand. Um, actually, I think their CEO is an ex-Google employee, left, the, left uh, Google to start his own Amazon empire, and he's done a great job. Um, let's see. Um, moving down the list, um, we have Asurian LLC. Now, this company is different. They actually sell... Um, they sell warranties and they must have an in with Amazon because I think this is actually one of those, if you're buying a, uh, an electronics, they upsell you. They like, Hey, do you want a warranty on this? And I do believe it's Asurian's uh, product. This used to be square trade, square trade used to be in the top 10 and they are no longer here. I think Amazon did a deal and moved over to Asurian. Um, I know Asuri, uh, square trade was actually recently acquired. So that's probably part of the reason why Amazon swapped them. I am surprised why Amazon hasn't just bought Asurian straight up. Um, these are electronics warranties. I don't think any of us are going to be in that kind of space. Um, Zappos. Zappos is like Amazon light. I don't love seeing them here because it does feel like you're, you're competing against Amazon retail when you're competing against Zappos. But they do have a very unique and high-end uh, selection of products. You know, I'm seeing a lot of Under Armour and Adidas. And um, while they are not, it's, it's kind of, you're not competing against Amazon because they will have to share the buy box like everyone else. I know that we are up against Zappos on some of our products. Um, and there used to be another seller just like Zappos that Amazon also owned, which was called uh, Quidzy. Quidzy used to be a, uh, an FBA seller, but they have since closed that operation. It just feels kind of weird that an Amazon-owned business would be a third-party seller on their own platform. Um, okay, so if you want to... They do have an interesting mix. I would look at their uh, products and, and try and compete against them, but they have, are very large. They have resources, 
probably that not most of us sellers have. Okay. I actually think a, um, there's another segment of sellers here that are in the top and these are booksellers. Uh, there's uh, new booksellers and used booksellers. Um, I actually have an in with uh, one of the largest used booksellers, so Thrift Books. Um, they're a used book company. Um, my cousin started them and has since sold Thrift Books probably about six years ago. And they are definitely leaders in the uh, used book segment. They actually have about eight different accounts. So if you go down the top hundred sellers and you see the used book sellers, many of them are actually um, owned by thrift books. And these people, like they, they know how to source used books. They're going to, um, you know, places like Goodwill and uh, they find all these, uh, they get ways to get books donated. Um, they have a lot of different sources for finding used books out there and they, they buy in huge quantities and they have a lot of science. Most of, many of the most experienced sellers, you know, started in the book segment, especially a lot of the technology um, players out there. You know, a lot of repricers were built off of books because it was the most uh, disciplined and the first uh, of all the uh, marketplaces on Amazon was in, was in books. Um, and one interesting anecdote I was told by my cousin is that, you know, they have these different sources of books and, you know, they could almost tell you per pound, um, which source is more valuable, you know, is a goodwill, um, more valuable than, you know, your random, uh, donation drive. The quality of books can vary by how people end up selling or donating them. Um, another, uh, if, uh, let's see, bookseller that is interesting is Jensen books. They, they're actually based in Logan, Utah, which is, um, small town. That's where I'm from. And that's where buy boxers headquartered. So it's kind of crazy that two, um, sellers are there in this top list. And, um, but Jensen does something differently. They do FBA. They, they have, um, all their books are in the, in the FBA program. And it was about a year and a half ago that Amazon tweaked the, uh, the book algorithm uh, and allowed it so that uh, third-party sellers could get the, the buy box. And when that happened, Jensen just like skyrocketed. All of a sudden, their play in the FBA uh, side of things was um, much to their advantage. So um, I don't see a lot of other uh, big booksellers in that do FBA. Um, moving on down the list. Um, some of the most interesting ones are still, uh, to come. Uh, there's, uh, Juvo plus. Now this is a retailer that moved into private label and it looks like it's really successful for them. I'm jealous. I think we were kind of head to head with them for, for a while and they started a private label, uh, business that has some pretty attractive products. So this is an example of a retailer that uh, successfully uh, pivoted into being both a retailer and a private labeler. Now, we're going to talk about e-tails. E-tails, they were a winner of the wholesale segment. They were doing $150 million a year on Amazon. And um, 
about two years ago, they were sold. They sold for $75 million to FYE, a retail chain. I actually know that Walmart was in the bidding to buy them as well because, you know, it's not a bad play for Walmart to buy, you know, a, a huge retailer like Etails and to bring them and to force um, them into the Walmart.com marketplace. I still think Walmart should have done it. it Might have been better than their Jet.com purchase, which uh, was probably a total bust of uh, several billion dollars. So um, Etails has... Since they've been acquired, they've kind of had a rough ride. I know that their CEO is out and that the stock of the parent company, which Etels represents about 50% of the sales of, the stock is down about 95%. I actually bought some of their stock just for fun and I lost money on them. That's my fault. I was, I was uh, hedging my bet. Um, uh, it was only like a thousand or two thousand dollars, but um, I have also felt their pain of their stock going down. Um, I mean, I've seen mistakes from them. They bought really deep against Amazon retail, and like that's just you're just gonna lose money there. Yeah, you're gonna do crazy volume, but like you're just gonna you're just gonna throw away money. And um, I know that Etels has had a significant amount of investment on top of the fact that they were bought by a larger company that had a very large um, uh, account with a bank. I know they probably had about $30 million in inventory value for a while. So I bet most sellers here are more efficient than Etels in how they're able to leverage their money. On $30 million of inventory value, they did $150 million in sales on close to $5 million of inventory value, we did $65 million in sales. So I know that we do more with less, doing more turns of inventory, and that could be an indicator of why ETELs is actually, they're shrinking. And um, because they didn't, I don't think they uh, really thought through profitability uh, as, as fully and thoroughly as some of us scrappy uh, small sellers have been forced to. I bet you their fulfillment fees and their Q4 storage fees are just ginormous and they have huge mistakes. Um, it's really hard to do things right. And the larger you get, um, your scale becomes a problem on its own. And I have been asked several times of like, why do the large sellers struggle? Because um, I've been very vocal about our struggles as buy boxer. There's no reason to, to hide behind it. Um, and I'm brutally honest. I know that um, we've made certain decisions. Once you have a cash flow that's really big, you think you can make um, some investments that kind of uh, get away from your uh, profit profitability model you know we um let's see we just have larger overhead you know now we're paying managers and hr and it overhead that we weren't paying before we um just have a, a bigger office we have account managers and um we were forced to shrink a little bit not to say that this investment wasn't worthwhile. We have built uh, meaningful side businesses, as you've heard in uh, another podcast. I mean, I just sold uh, one of these side businesses, but um, we definitely didn't have our accounting 
uh, completely on point with all of these uh, ventures. But a lot of large sellers have gotten to um, E-Tails size or, you know, our size and kind of just stagnated. None of them have like really like made it next level. I think uh, there was uh, Big Fly and um, River Colony Trading, form- formerly known as uh, Toys and Games, et cetera. Those guys used to be so much bigger than us. They were like 10 times our size. Well, we kind of, we caught up to them. Took us a few years, but I'm shocked that they allowed that to happen. That just, it, it only tells me that they've struggled um, in um, probably some of the same ways that we have had to learn. Um, so, you know, you, um, you get overhead, you start paying healthcare, um, you make, you have distractions, your commitments. On top of that, you know, you have your hubris, you think you're so big and you're just so great. And we all kind of make the same mistakes that you can't, uh, I think the fundamentals on Amazon is just being profitable, all things included, all fees and all employees included, and knowing your profit margins and making sure you're focusing on your, your highest ROI activities. And research and development are not high ROI activities. You know, I've had a software development team of five or six people at a point, and um, that's uh, since shrunk and obviously we're going to be more profitable, but we're at the expense of, you know, technology for the future. So those are just many of the things to consider. Um, let's see. No, Utopia. Um, there's one other seller I was going to focus on uh, to be more well-rounded. So Utopia Deals, they are kind of a private label. Um, you know how some of the best private label sellers, they get good at a segment Anchor does electronics. Utopia does like home and kitchen. And you, you look at their uh, page and it kind of just makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, if you have these type of towels, that means you could do these kinds of towels. You just have like the sourcing. Um, I do want to do a uh, podcast episode on uh, China sourcing. Um, and I, when I see top tier uh, private label sellers, I just know they have it down and they're really efficient and, 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 and use it well. So hopefully you uh, find other sellers that are similar to yours and uh, learn what they do well and then learn from their mistakes. All right. We'll catch you on the next episode. Got several up, great episodes planned and uh, hope to connect with you guys. Share this podcast with, um, you know, if you know someone at e share this podcast with them and uh, get them really upset that I'm analyzing their business without full information. I would love to hear their perspective on this. Um, actually, I'm scared. Don't tell them. <laughs> I don't want to be on their, uh, their lasers, pointers. Um, I hope that, you know, in this new year, 2020, that your selling goes great and that you achieve your goals. I will catch you later. Take care. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.